Good evening and welcome everybody. Thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to join myself and my guest for this webinar this evening that's entitled I'm Dyslexic, Do Essays Have to Be Stressful? So hello, I'm John Hicks um, and I do what I do because I want dyslexic learners to believe in how their unique way of thinking could change the world. Who's with me? Please put your hands up if you agree with this and want the same. Lovely. Thank you so much. So, Stuart, we're pleased to know that we have people on the, on the, this call, which is wonderful. Um, and I appreciate you putting your hands up. Um, I can lower all your hands, so, so don't worry too much about that. Let me just tell you a, bit, a little bit about myself, um, and then I'll um, bring Stuart in, into the webinar. So, um, now you know what motivates me, um, let me tell you a bit more. So, uh, for those of you that don't know me, um, a lot of people who um, who came on to the webinar tonight, I know on my mailing list. So thank you so much for your support over the years. I've been in the dyslexia space for about 10 years. Um, many of you will know that I'm a parent of a dyslexic daughter. Um, I'm neurodiverse myself, as is my, my other daughter, my older daughter. So neurodiversity runs in the family. There's a lot going on. And, um, and so there's a number of things I do that I'm really passionate about. Um, I have the Study with Dyslexia blog, which many of you are on my, on my mailing list for that. Um, I support parents of dyslexic learners. Um, more recently, I've started to put online training courses, short online training courses that are designed for parents to sort of dip into topics associated with negotiating support for their children. Um, and my big news, and more recently, is that I've just qualified as a therapeutic counsellor. Um, and so knowing we'll be talking about sort of the emotional cost of dyslexia in a few minutes um, this is a big thing for me this is kind of my specialism and certainly um, I'm already working with clients who are dealing with the emotional repercussions of having dyslexia and, and the social issues that, that come with it and so forth. So this is something that I'm going to be kind of really, really talking more about as time goes on, because I've put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into the training for this. And this is something that, that I believe I can make a huge difference to my clients with. Anyway, um, if you want to look into any of these, um, I'm sure you've got some links on my stuff, but this link here, um, it's one link and it will take you to a bunch of links and you can choose whichever one is of interest to you to find out more. Um, okay, so um, I do see myself though as a, as a supporter of supporters. So I'm working with families, working with the parents, working with, with teachers and tutors and assessors, um, and, and hopefully my resources are being useful to you if you're, if you're somewhere in, in my network. But everything I kind of do here spans education, mental well-being. And I, I call it tech for studying on my blog, but I, I'm thinking about assistive technology. And um, many people don't know what assistive technology is, and perhaps they might understand just technology that helps studying. I think everyone should use assistive technology. And um, what's kind of interesting about this is, is that this talk this evening is going to span this as well. And, um, and I'm delighted about this. It's, it's linking a lot of my passions, which is great. Um, and so um, I'm really, really thrilled to um, introduce our guest this evening which is um, who is Stuart Marsden from Claro Software and um, Stuart's a chartered engineer scientist and product designer and he's worked in medical device and devices clinical measurement healthcare innovation and more recently 
he's the product manager for Claro Writing Helper at Claro Software. Um, I've done a lot of work over the years with Claro Software. They're a great bunch of people and, they, and I know they, they really care about the challenges that come with being dyslexic. Um, and they're very, very, very um, big in the DSA, disabled, disabled students allowance space supporting undergraduates with their technology but also in schools and also within the workplace as well so um Stuart could I ask you to pop your camera on and bring you into the the webinar I'm praying the technology Hi John. works here he is hello how are you I'm I'm really good thanks thanks for having me and yeah the technology is working I can see and hear you I've been, I've been doing zoom for uh, more than a year and I don't think I've done any zoom things where I've kind of waiting with bated breath for the other person to turn up on the on the screen so um thank you for for being there and ready to go um okay so what we're going to do we're going to break the webinar kind of into two so you know the title of the webinar is i'm dyslexic do essays have to be stressful what i'd like to do is look at the the stress bit first and talk about that kind of landscape the emotional landscape if i may um and we'll I've got some statistics to show. Some of you might have seen these already with some previous talks I've done. And then we'll lead into um, what, what Stuart's got to share. Um, Stuart, you're quite keen that people gain some strategies today that they can use straight away, right? Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, good. So um, let's take a look at um, can writing essays be stressful? Um, could everyone out there please put your hand up if you think writing essays is stressful? I'm putting my hand up. I had to do an essay for my counselling course. That was a nightmare. Right. So many of you are saying it's stressful. Um, I can't tell from the hands. Oh, Stuart's hands gone. It was very, very good, Stuart. Um, I can't tell what the context is you're saying this, but whether it's it's your child or whether it's a student you're supporting or, or just yourself doing your own studies. But but I think, yes, that this is possibly a stupid question. Can writing essays be stressful? Um, Stuart, what are your thoughts? I, I think it's... Um talk about the differences between pressure and stress but I think uh, an essay a task like an essay should always be stressful or there should always be pressure to motivate you it's just you know when does that cross the line and yeah. become become a problem you know rather than a motivational thing it shouldn't be an unpleasant experience though yeah yeah it shouldn't be I think you're right and one of the things that we were we were talking about when we were planning this there's in, in the counseling space, we talk about something called an anxiety window. And mm -hmm. it, it's like anxiety is a good thing, right? It's, it's like if you're walking down the street and, you, and you're telling yourself, well, if I walk on the road, I'm going to get run over, then that's good anxiety because it's keeping you safe. But when you're walking down the street and you're expecting to die because of what's coming past, the, the anxiety basically is kind of hitting the limits. So getting into the red zone the fight or flight's kicking in or maybe we're freezing in helplessness um and and, and i think from from what i understand from talking to to many families with with um, young people with dyslexia that that level of anxiety is is running quite high um within the families um if there's any parents on here um would you agree with that put your hands up if you think that would be the case Right, thank you. There's a, there's a few people there. Gillian, thank you. Melissa, Mary, Simon, thank you. Um, and many others, so thank you very much. So yeah, so it's a stressful space. 
it's stressful for kids and young people anyway. But let's let's check out some of this data that I've got I want to share with you. So um, in 2019, again, some people might know this, um, I did a survey, you might have even taken part in this, some of the parents in this call, uh, where we we're trying to understand with the British Dyslexia Association, the, the emotional or the human cost of dyslexia. And so there was a survey went out um, and we had literally 1300 responses. So that just tells me how, how much people feel so strongly about this. Um, the survey itself was, was basically um, uh, a multiple choice, I had a mental block, and a multiple choice questions about various topics associated with parental anxiety and dyslexia, parental interactions with education, family dynamics, and exploring the cost of a child having dyslexia. And then I asked the parents to also give me some free text i.e. tell me their experience or a bit about their experience. So I just want to share three statistics which might give us some um, backgrounds, a context on, on why we might want to find strategies that help writing essays, make them less stressful. So um, the first one that, that I, I want to show is, does your child have poor self-esteem related to their dyslexia? So poor self-esteem is, is our view of ourselves. Um, and, and certainly if we don't feel like we can do something, then, then yes, that's a very anxious place to be if, we, if we're being told to do something. So 89% of those participants said that that was the case, that they, they think their child was suffering from poor self-esteem as a result of their dyslexia. The next question was, does your child suffer from anxiety related to their dyslexia? Um, that was 85%. So anxiety plays a, a key part. Um, for me, this survey just kind of like confirmed a number of things. I was, I was already picking up on the trends. And the last one was, does your child become frustrated because of their dyslexia? They want to do something, something gets in the way, there's barriers to that learning or, or what they're having to output. Um, and that was 96%. Stuart, what are your thoughts? Not surprised at all. 96, perhaps I'm surprised that that's such a high number, you know, I've seen frustrated um, children, uh, children frustrated because of their dyslexia um, in, in particular. And uh, yeah, it's uh, talking about superpowers now and using more positive language and saying, you know, this isn't a disability, you know, it's a strength and it really is. And maybe, maybe the language is changing, but maybe it's not changing fast enough. Mm. Yeah, it's a real mm. shame. Yeah, certainly. I, I, I think that, um, I have a bit of a soapbox moment sometimes when I talk about the education system and certainly le <laughs> leading up to sort of under undergraduate studies um, where, the, where the support is very, it's, it's changeable across the different regions in the UK. Um, yeah. The education system isn't, isn't geared up to support the weaknesses of a dyslexic thinker. So there's some great strengths would come with the territory of being dyslexic. And, 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 and we've, we've all got a different mix of strengths and weaknesses anyway. That's, that's just human nature. Um, the gaps between the strengths and weaknesses are, are often greater with, with someone who is neurodiverse or someone with, with dyslexia. So I, I think just naturally going into school without intervention um, or, or to college without intervention, there is this sense of being pitched against challenges that, that play to your weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. I agree um, completely. Which, which is something that I, you know, assistive technology for me, I think is brilliant in terms of working as a tool to help with that. Um, you'd be probably glad I said that. <laughs> well, assistive technology 
perhaps can only ever level the playing field. Um, yeah. You know, so just just making it fairer rather than giving advantages. Yeah. You know, it's leveling the playing field. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Stuart, what what are you going to tell us about now for this next part of the webinar? Do you want me to switch to the next slide? Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Obviously, I work for Claro Software, you may know as already in the assistive technology space. I don't like the word assistive technology. I, that's my soapbox, I guess. Um, mm. All technology is assistive. It's redundant. You know, tell me some technology that isn't assistive. <laughs> assistive technology or inclusive technology, I often say, is, um, you know, tools that help, as I said a moment ago, to level the playing field. And Claro, we've always been in that dyslexia space, understanding not just the clinical, technical implications of dyslexia, what it means, but how we can help the those that have dyslexia um, cope with a world that seems to be designed um, for non-dyslexics, right? Um, and our, our jobs easy in a way because because we love it so much at Claro and we really do you know really are sort of you know motivated to help these 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 kids um and uh, essay writing is something that's been on our radar for quite some time we, you may know Claro Read uh, which is all about helping students read writing helper is really a product that we we've made that boils the essay process down into bite-sized stress-free chunks so it takes away it doesn't stop essays being difficult you still have to do all the reading and you still have to do the writing you can't get away from that unfortunately but it does just present the process to the student in a really sort of um stress-free way and those seven steps are sort of general um, talk to any um, expert, study skills expert or uh, teachers that mark essays um, at higher education or at school, they'll, they'll agree that these seven steps are consistent, you know, um, and that's, yeah, that's what I'd like to talk to, about, talk to you about tonight. So, John, if you're okay to um, drive the slides for me. Of course, yeah. Here's the yeah. yeah, if you don't mind. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, okay. So so the seven steps, um, the first one, perhaps a, a little obviously, um, um, is just getting ready. So, you know, before you embark on any task, now we don't have to talk about essays. This is quite a general thing, but if you've got a, an errand to run or a shopping list to acquire or washing up to do or, you know, whatever it might be, you need to just get yourself into the zone. So, you know, making sure that there are no distractions, be that physical things around you cluttering up your desk. Luckily, you can't see mine. Of course, it's spotless. Um, but, you know, clearing up the, the space around you, clearing up the space in your head, your own sort of mindfulness and just, you know, being ready for, you know, acknowledging the fact that you've got a task ahead of you. And yeah, it's going to take some time. Getting stressed about it won't help. Getting anxious and frustrated certainly doesn't help, um, uh, you know, up to a point. And that, that's stage one, really. It sounds a little bit zen, but without doing this, this is, this is, this is the foundation on, on which the rest of an essay or any task would be built. Um, mm. Certainly if you uh, intend to get, the, to, to get the most out of it. If you, next slide, please, John. Cool. So, so the second stage is uh, 
again, this isn't an essay specific thing. This is, again, a general thing. If you're given a brief as a student or otherwise, you're asked to do something, you should clarify that the definition of done is a project management term. Um, you're asked um, to write 3,000 words, say, about a topic that you're probably interested in if you're in FE or HE because you've chosen the course. If you're, young, if you're a younger learner, you may still be interested. You, may, you might not, but you know, you've been asked to do something, to write a, some, so, so many words on a certain task. So it, anecdotally, I'm, I can speak for myself. I'm an engineer and I didn't write many essays, which presented its own challenges because I didn't write many. So I wasn't very experienced at it. And the ones that I did write, they were I found them difficult for that reason. Um, and I, I have specific examples of myself being given tasks to do in academia where I just sort of ran ahead. Um, and uh, there was an epiphany for me when I was about 16 and I was in a design tech A-level class. And I was asked to make a table. And I decided to stay sat where I was and plan making the table yet most of my colleagues ran across to the wood shop and started grabbing big pieces of wood and screwdrivers and they just started hacking away to make a table and that for me that was like wow I think Pat that might be the moment that made me an engineer actually that the fact, ah, ah, half the job is actually figuring out figuring out what you're supposed to do so I think a lot of the time when it when essays are given to students they'll sit down and open up something like word maybe Google Docs or, you know, they'll open up a word processor, they'll stare at a, a white rectangle with all sorts of buttons everywhere and they'll write some stuff and they'll see some red squiggly lines and they'll, they'll just completely be overwhelmed and they'll maybe try in the beginning and they'll try and write it in a linear way and then, oh, I need to read that now and then they'll get frustrated and then they'll clean their room and do anything, anything but write that essay. Um, so... Before we move on to the next slide, I just there's an anecdote again of a friend of mine who um, he it's an example. A lot of people give me the same story, but he is an incredibly good writer, not dyslexic. Um, and he says that he had a similar epiphany where he wrote the essay of his life. It was like publishable. It was a, according to him, um, it was it was stunning. He loved every second. It poured his heart and soul into it. Really came to amazing conclusions. Found some amazing sources. Referenced them perfectly quadruple checked it and he got about 40 percent you might be able to guess why mm -hmm. um given what we're looking at here in stage two he didn't answer the question he, he he got excited about it started to read around it found loads of interesting things around the topic and presented this beautiful piece of work that didn't actually address what he was being asked to do so it was like me not making a table just going grabbing some stuff and making a shelf instead beautiful shelf doesn't matter you fail mm. <laughs> so look at the question stage two I, wanna, I mean i want to just throw in here as well because with, with dyslexia and, and neurodiversity often there, there's different aspects of all of those conditions informing each other to make the strengths and weaknesses mm. um and I, I mean i had that in the exam in an exam as well i wrote a fantastic answer to a question in an exam um <laughs> but it but it was the wrong question and yeah uh, a good friend of mine said to me, oh, you should have checked the questions rather than checked the answers. Um, and, and actually that put me in good stead. But I do think that there is this sense of um, distractibility and going off piste is very easy within the neurodiversity space. 
and so some something yeah. can kind of grab your focus and attention and then off you go you've you've kind of half read something and that, you're on a path to you know that that can be a strength and it should be a strength yeah. um, no matter what you do no matter how much you want it to be an essay um uh, you don't want it to be an essay is linear you're not writing a choose your own adventure story you know mm-hmm. to turn to page 17 if you want to run away from the wizard uh, or, or whatever <laughs> you know you, you it's it will be read from the beginning through to the end and that's how it will be assessed and assigned so dyslexic thinkers aren't necessarily linear ones mm. and they're being forced into this linear you know tell a linear story you ask a child to tell a story with dyslexia and the story won't be linear but it could be amazing but it's not necessarily a linear story in the beginning in the middle in the end um so you know the the idea of essays do have to be linear and the process of making a good one again is linear but there are sand pits along the way and this is one of those sand pits where you're looking at the question doesn't mean you can't go and get distracted at things actually but it just means look at the question you know take the moment put blinkers on don't worry about the other stuff on either side just look at the question it's really important to really focus on this you've heard words like brainstorm and mind map Mm. you know this is that's where this comes in you know um use some tools to really get that in your head good advice Uh, next next slide please john um so stages three and four and five sort of it goes back to what we were just saying actually about being flexible um so this isn't like a a a turnstiles you know airlocks where you've got to do three and then when you're done with three you go and do four and you can't go back it's absolutely not the case um i would argue that stage two look at the question you get done you really you get you draw a line under that but stages three all the way through um two uh, to five you just sort of bounce back and forth so structure it what you've done you've understood the question now you know what you're being asked to do and you know interestingly what you're not being asked to do so you can eliminate okay i'd love to talk about that but i'm not going to because i know it's a waste of my time despite it being fantastically interesting structuring it this is where the linear thing comes in and at the back back to what i was saying again about it doesn't matter how much you want an essay to be a big squiggly a chaotic entertaining uh you know you know fireworky display of thinking it needs to be in a straight line so that's what structure is so very simple this actually it's just you know introduction if i'm a scientist so forgive me but introduction what equipment are you using any safety concerns what are you going to do with that equipment do it what did you do what did you conclude you know that linear obvious obvious i say sorry that's not quite the right word but there's a there's a there's a flow to a story and most essays have a similar flow actually um, and that's something you maybe there's an element of knowledge there and an element mm. of understanding and experience, but th- there is a, a logical flow to it as well. Even for a younger learner, um, you, you know, you start at the beginning and explain who the characters are and where they are and what they're doing. And then you start to build the story from that. So stopping to think about the structure is important. And the next slide, uh, stage four is about organizing sources. Now that, that perhaps sounds a little bit um, F-E-H-E sounds organizing sources what do you mean by that what it means is it's all about the evidence gathering so you will have to read stuff you know um dyslexia is a reading impairment uh, related to how you process the sounds of words means that language written language isn't for you you know great at speaking great at ideas great at thinking just as bright as anyone else 
but if not more so. Uh, it's just the language that gets you down, the written language that gets you down. So here's where you have to really get into that, you know, do the reading. Um, go out there, find the stuff, judge its quality, get out those golden nuggets of really good information that support your argument, find the things that disagree with you, you know, balance them off together and start again to put them in some sort of sequence. And I've seen amazing um, dyslexic learners. Uh, part of my job is to understand how dyslexic people learn and what strategies they have. And I've seen, I've seen one, she had a um, big plastic white sheets. Um, they were, they were the size of a, like a double mattress almost. I think she, they, yeah, they must've been that big and post-it notes. So she'd staple the, this big plastic sheet to a wall in a shed or whatever it was. I, I think she might have just stapled it to an actual wall. I can't remember, a big notice board. And she was putting post-it notes on and they were all over the place. And I was like, wow, this is like, um, it's like something out of, uh, you know, a sci-fi drama or something. But she was just incredible at fo focusing all these thoughts together. In the end, she'd pick them up and she'd stick them down and she'd move them somewhere else. She was basically brainstorming, mind mapping, but physically. It was stunning to watch. The way that she used colours, the way that she used shapes, patterns, and ended up with this linear in the end flow of information it was brilliant and she used um this isn't a plug but she did use claro read um for the the reading uh text to speech you know so she didn't have to actually do the manual reading herself she just select text and have it um listen to us that was really good organizing sources would then inform stage three which is where we just were the structure so they sort of they, they feed on each other but what what we've not if you move to the next slide for me john um so we've we've talked about organizing your sources and getting all your reading lists together and you know understanding what sort what which of those sources are good like wikipedia might be frowned upon but the journal of nature or science nature journals might be more credible understanding that you've got your structure so the flow of information stage five is where you start to manage that now it's where you grab the key elements and you slot them into your structure so this is consistent this is a very general thing it's not like the 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 Stuart Marsden or the Claro essay writing process this is what did you do um it's about saying this is a good bit of information this is a bad bit of information and I'll ignore it and this agrees with a point that I'm making this doesn't agree with the point that I'm making and they belong here and that might that the, the thinking should always be happening here you know and that if you find things that make you want to expand an area, make sure you're still answering the question, but grow that area. If you're waffling on, like I perhaps am doing right now, then you cut it down and you you know you focus on strengthening the weaker parts of your essay. And it, you'll be able to visualize this, even though it's a straight line. Um, so all of those, everything so far, stages one through to five, what we've not done is possibly more important than what we have done. We've talked about, I've talked about a flow, a structure, each of those steps, you would put blinkers on and not worry about the peripheral steps, just focusing only on that. So no bells ringing, no distractions, but more, most importantly, particularly when you're talking about the way people write essays now, which is with computers, not many people, not many people do it by hand. Um, I don't, I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to know who, whose children write essays by does, hand does right anyone now. know anyone that writes their essays by hand pop your hands up if if you're seeing this or, or... now I'll, I'll do handwriting on post-its myself and i'll organize them that mm. way but i won't get a book and write my essay i mean 
there are some hands going up. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's becoming less and less common. The technology enables us things like you may have been familiar with Dragon Dictate, for example. I can everything I've said now I could have, you know, been, been auto captioned for you, so you can you can think by verbally now if if you have the technology. So you don't even have to write. But well, let, let's say let's say we do. If you are doing that, you'll tend to open something like Word and Word, uh, Microsoft's Word and other products, fam- popular word processors. They have, they're actually really good assistive technology-wise. There's a lot of sort of almost secret hidden features that allow you to remove that noise. Now, but a Word document gives you red squiggly lines to tell you you've made a spelling mistake. Completely unhelpful. Maybe until the last nine. Nine, after 90%, so the last 10% of your essay, you get blue or purple underlines now to tell you when your grammar's not right. You might have, um, you can see your word count in the corner. You can see you can see the clock in the corner of your screen. There is um, uh, your formatting, so line spacing, margin sizes, the font you're using. You know, there's all that noise. And then there's all the buttons in the toolbar that allow you to do all sorts of amazing things like styles and formatting and references. And the, the, there's there's so much you can do it's so powerful and that's wonderful but it's all all of those things are distracting until the end of the essay process looking at any of that before you're you know ready to actually do the formatting and structuring the structuring of the words and the sentences and so forth it's just distraction it's just noise which leads us on to stage six um does anyone know what that stands for i know you know john Oh, the same thing. Yeah, but um, put it in the in the chat if you know what that stands for. Someone called EJB's put their hand up. I wonder if they want to put it in the chat. What if, what if EJB's got it wrong? Oh, that's true. Yes, don't don't put it in there if you've got it wrong. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Simon gets the uh, gets the medal, and yeah, you're absolutely you're all you're all right. Yeah. Um, uh, what you see is what you get yeah um so that that's great if you're a sign maker or you're if you're an artist um you know or if, if you know if you're publishing something you know you really do need to see it before you publish it uh, like publish could mean just submit to your teacher you know you, you do want to see it before you before you um before you do so but you don't want to see it from the start you know it's great to, to open up word and be able to just free associate just write your essay and and some users are lucky enough to be able to do that i'm not one of them i have a a phd and i use something called latex or latex to write my phd which is it's a word processor that doesn't let you see the document until you press a button and wait it really helped me and i'm not dyslexic it helped me focus on the content and no spelling mistakes were shouting at me i didn't know the word count i didn't know where the pictures were going to go i didn't know anything but i knew that what i was putting in there was what I wanted to say. So only in stage six, this latter stage, um, is when you should really start thinking about um, the, the WYSIWYG elements. So we've done the vast majority of the essay process without even worrying about what the document looks like. Uh, and it's so crucial. I can't understate it. Can't overstate it. I think I've just triple negative myself. Um, but you know what I mean? So uh, if we move on to the last step, John, which is stage seven, and this this is the, the where the detail happens. So if you're worrying about the detail at the beginning, if you're really worrying about there, there, and there, and the homophones, and you're worried about 
uh, I before E except after C unless it's one of many words. How do you spell friend? Is it I-E or E-I? You're worried about all that. You're getting distracted. Oh, that sentence is too long and uh, this I'm getting shouted at because I've not got enough. Oh, I, 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 is it a colon or a semicolon? And you're sitting there like worrying about all those things. And I, I'm not saying they're not important. No one would say they're not important. But how you spell there doesn't change what you meant. It, it might actually change what you say, but it doesn't change what you meant. And you know what you meant. The vast majority of students, uh, I think we all, maybe all of us are guilty of this. We worry about these things far too soon. The the, the referencing Harvard versus Oxford, you know, all, all of those spelling mistakes, the whole red squiggly thing. It's just, it's pure distraction until the end of the essay. And that's stage seven. That's why it's relegated right to the end. After the WYSIWYG, this is where you really just do the fine tuning. But at this stage, at this stage, you should actually have your essay done in terms of the story you want to tell. You've answered your question here. You're just getting it ready for putting in front of someone. Really, I guess it's only stages six and seven where the dyslexic barriers are really starting to present. But at this point, you've dealt with it. You know, you've, you've actually answered the question. You've got a structured argument, you know, essay with all your content in there. You've looked at good sources. You've done all of that stuff. So, the, you know, the anxiety has been managed, you know. Imagine having to do all of that at once, which is what many students feel like they have to do. I think there's a, um, just to throw in, um, there's been many a time when I've had to write, I do lots of writing of blog articles and, and I, I find that daunting half the time. Um, and so often um, the P's and Q's are often the, the distraction at, at the start of the process. You know, if I'm putting a PowerPoint together, so often I'm fiddling with the look of the PowerPoint or whatever. And, and there's something about the relationship between overwhelm and procrastination. So I feel overwhelmed, so then I'm going to start doing something I can do rather than you know, focus on the things I'm worried about. And actually, I, I like the idea that you can actually forget all that and just get the, the juicy content together, the important stuff together, regardless of how you spelt it, how the grammar looks, and just leave that to the end and just get it out of your head and down on paper or on yeah, your computer. You, yeah, the, the, the whole, as you were talking about the education system, and I don't want to bring your soapbox back up, but <laughs> no, the fact that you have to write stuff down to demonstrate your knowledge is... Mm. It's not right. It, it, there was some someone mentioned um, someone's researching the idea of pre-written language. So the human civilization before we were writing stuff down, we had dyslexics then. But it's like being colorblind, but being blind as well. Being colorblind is pointless because you can't see anyway. So what's mm -hmm. the point? Being dyslexic when there's no language around you. They're pretty confident from the research they're doing. Actually, there's much more likely to have been. They were the leaders, you know. They were the ones who, you know, dealt with big problems. They were the innovators. They were the thinkers. They were the creative ones, because there was this barrier of language just wasn't there. As soon as we developed language, we suddenly developed this condition um, as well called what we call dyslexia now, which suddenly made these people weaker, um, which is crazy. Yeah, Isn't it? it's nuts. I'm nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So thank you, Stuart. So um, bef before I go to the next slide then, 
Um, there's something you want to kind of share, isn't there, about these seven stages um, and and providing some resources. Do you want do you want to just sort of articulate that, and then we can go to the next slide and show people how to how to get hold of that. Yeah. So um, that was me talking at you for a little while. Um, something that I'm very familiar with and and passionate about. Um, but it's not necessarily straightforward. Um, it is when you know it, like many things. But mm. um, so rather than sort of listening back to this or following follow me on social media or looking at the, the stuff that I'm doing, um, I've put together a, a, an infographic that summarizes all of what I've just said, not with a focus on the product that we've made. It's, um, you know, explains this process, these seven steps, explains how they relate to anxiety and overwhelm and dyslexia, um, but also then will link to how Writing Helper, which is a product I'm looking after, uh, links to that process and presents that process to a student in it with the aim to remove the overwhelm and only give them the tools they need at each at each stage so if you are interested in the in that infographic if you're interested in talking to me some more um it's possible to book time in with me one-to-ones team um training or i can show you the product if you want to play with the product um you can download it right now and get it for two weeks for free but i can extend that trial we can talk about giving your licenses to have a good good old play with it if you know any students who can benefit there's, there's lots of potential in you maybe talking to me so um on, on the next slide there is some information that you can that you can follow if you do go there um it'll take you to a, a page where you can just give me your information and i will you won't be put on any marketing lists or anything like that, but I will, I'll just make sure that I follow up with you soon with that infographic and some more information. So you can pick that up um, with me later, later on. Great. Thank you. So, yeah. So, so guys, if you want to take Stuart up on his, his offer there, um, it, it's really funny. I was, I was saying to Stuart, um, when we were preparing this, I said, Stuart, you know, I, I really want you to talk about your product if you want to, because it's it's as important as well. Um, and he was very keen to to say, no, actually, what I want to talk about is the principles behind it. I talk about it all day. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, I'm bored now. Right? So, yeah. so, yeah, so so basically what, what you've given us is is the, the the way to do things and and, and it's a, something we can do now and the infographic will, will give you will give strategies for doing that without thinking about products software products and so forth all you've yeah. done with your product is to codify it right so my understanding is that we can do this as a manual process if you want to come back to you and look at um the the writing helping product then we'll try it out they can they can get in touch with you but what, what the infographic is about is, is about the principles that you've just outlined. Yeah, I think any, any many pieces of assistive technology are successful when they're no longer needed. So that, that's the same with Writing Helper. If you, you know, you use Writing Helper and get into it and find that groove of your own and eventually shed it and find that you're actually writing essays and enjoying the process and getting good marks and you're not overwhelmed, it's a win. Uh, that's, that's what we're aiming for. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. So uh, I think at this stage, um, we're getting um, three quarters of the way through sort of the one hour period that I'd, I'd advertised. Um, so we're at a point now where we can take some questions. So there's no questions in the Q&A at the moment. I can't see any in the chat at the moment. Uh, does anyone have any questions? Uh, maybe I could just give you a minute if, if you've got any questions uh, or, or any just sort of general comments um, about what make, made sense what didn't make sense yeah is there anything you disagree with um 
getting some feedback from you would be would be really useful at this stage. So please do um, perhaps put some feedback in the chat. But if you've got any questions, pop them in the Q and A, and we've got both those, those boxes open. When you when you're um, when you're developing your blog posts, a blog post might be similar to an essay. You know, it's hundreds of words and it has yeah. a linear flow, and you introduce and then you talk about it and then you they conclude. So there's a lot of parallels there. And of course you could use writing help for that. Have you ever tried dictating, like just closing your eyes, getting into the right sort of being mindful and just, you know, getting the environment right and then just saying what you wanted, what you'd want to type. Um, you know what? I, I have tried it. It doesn't work for me. I, mm. I clam up amazingly. I can talk the hind legs off a donkey and then when I'm <laughs> having to, to think um, then um, and, so that doesn't tend to work for me. But what, what I would say is interesting because so my, my neurodiversity, um, my profile, if you like, it's, it's a small amount of dyslexia, mostly related to an ADHD profile. Um, and I think the reason why I've done blog articles for so many years is that I can get really passionate about a specific thing and then easily bang out 300 to 500 words, <laughs> a stream of consciousness in a small yeah. Yeah. a number of paragraphs and, and it's done right give me something that's ten thousand words or more and i've got to spend some time planning it thinking about it um the enthusiasm goes right so uh, i remember when i did my my counseling course i, I had a seven thousand word sort of dis, um, dissertation at the end and it was about the ethics of counseling so i'm passionate about the ethics of counseling but i'm not passionate about writing about them so um so yeah. i had to i had to take a different approach um I, I couldn't have done it in a linear format i couldn't have done introduction and then all the points um but what i did do was, was go down the route of mind mapping um, oh yeah, yeah. so that i can then go okay well i want to start here with the intro but now i'm going to go to the last but one point and so now i'm going to go to that second point and i was jumping all over the place and that helped me to just get it all out of my head um, and then sort it out and later on. So mind mapping is great for that. It's a fantastic, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I think what, what you're saying there about actually let's not worry about the P's and Q's at the start um, resonates strongly with me in my own experience. Um, let me just um, go through the, there's two questions and there's some comments on, on the, the chat. So let me start with the questions and then I'll feed back with the comments if I may. So, um, so the first question was, um, I don't know who it is, it's anonymous. Um, does the software help other forms of neurodiversity? Yeah, it's quite an interesting question. Uh, that, that's what you're supposed to say, but I genuinely mean that. It is an interesting question. Um, the reason I say that is because I'm talking about it from a dyslexic angle tonight, because yeah. obviously I'm with John and that's what we're talking about and that's what we want to hear about. But when I'm actually demonstrating the product and I'm talking to... Like, DSA needs assessors and study skills trainers and teachers and people, you know, managers in the workplace who have got dys dyslexic staff or, or, or not. I don't mention the word dyslexia that much. Mm. Um, it's about the overwhelm. So if you're dyslexic, you're more likely to be overwhelmed when you're writing an essay. So, you know, that, that makes sense, but it's not just about dyslexia. It's, I've, I've had a lot of neurotypical, I hate that word, but neurotypical students and learners come to me and say, I wish I had this, when I was studying, and I know you're an assistive technology, another word that I hate, yeah. company, um, are you? Is this a mainstream tool? And the the answers, it's a yes and no. We we uh, Claro software, we make eighty assistive technology, so it's assistive. Um, but if it's going to help a, a mainstream user, 
same with any piece of technology, the same with our other products, Claro Read turns text into speech. You don't have to be dyslexic or have a reading impairment to benefit from that. So yeah, other forms of neurodiversity or neurotypicalicity. Um, <laughs> every learner learns differently. And this, uh, yes, I talk about dyslexia here and I will talk about you know, Asperger's and autism and I'll talk about ADHD and dyslexia, anxiety, stress, just the overwhelm the dreaded overwhelm and the, the whole this this product is just designed to take that noise away um so it, yes it, it doesn't have to be it's not for dyslexics it's not like a dyslexic branded product at all um anonymous attendee thanks for your question i, I just want to throw in as well because certainly a lot of conversations i've had with with parents um often whether when there's a label involved i know i use the label on my blog the study with dyslexia blog that's deliberate because there's a yeah. lot of people who's, who use the label in their in their vocabulary, right? I, I, I'm kind of more on the strengths and weaknesses side, but I write specifically about dyslexia. Um, and, and, and so often there are times when, when technology is purchased because it, it's supposed to help with dyslexia. Um, and often you can get the other side of the, the problem where the overwhelm might actually come from from the fact that a piece of software has been bought to help with something and say there you go this should help you because you're dyslexic and this is dyslexia software and actually it doesn't fit the bill um, yeah. and that can be as stressful as being anxious it's, about it's terrifying that i i've not always I've, I've not recently moved into assistive technology I actually started my career in assistive technology and i moved into medical and then back into assistive so i actually started making AT and usually physical stuff, um, crutches and headrests and uh, safety guards on the sides of beds and switches um, for the profoundly disabled. Um, and the uh, there are there are lots of surprising statistics around how assistive technology is used. Mm. Quite often, or not it collects dust because of stigmas. I think more than anything else, um, you know, the stigma and you're wearing glasses that's assistive technology and 50 years ago you know oh you look much better now it's, yeah. it's just it, that's, <laughs> not, that's, a, that's a joke <laughs> but you know you're wearing assistive technology right now um you know and it's not a stigma anymore and hopefully software assistive technology the stuff I, I deal in slowly just to go back to the earlier question slowly is becoming more accepted you talk to speakers now ask them to play a song you know you use sat nav um you know, text to speech, um, certainly, certainly the um, um, voice recognition, voice recognition was AT five, 10 years ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And now it's in everyone's car and on everyone's phone and everyone's computer and it's mainstream now. It's no longer, what are you doing talking to your computer? Yeah. You know, it's normal now. It's interesting. There's um, on a, on a different webinar that I, I attended by scanning pens. They, they, they done some research with um, some schools in Malta of all places, 43 schools, secondary schools in Malta. Um, and what they decided to do was to put a box in, in each classroom that had a mixture of low and, and high tech assistive items, mm. right? So they, they could be um, colored overlays, they could be reading rulers, they could be pencil grips, they it could be a reading pen, for example. And, and basically the way they, they, they set this up in the class was it wasn't, okay, if you're dyslexic, there's your box to go and play with. It, <laughs> it was, a, okay, class, um, there's, a, there's a box at the back of the class that's got some tools in there that might help you if you're studying. 
That's why I use the term tech for studying on the blog. It, it, it's like, okay, if there's something in there that helps, use it. Yeah. yeah it doesn't but, matter. Yeah, what, but if, what it, if, if it's signposting a disability or a difference, particularly yeah, for children. Then there's a stigma. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, yeah, let's yeah. just um, look at some of the other questions then. Um, any tips for writer's block? This is from Liz Wilcox. Well, I, I'm a creative writer um, in my um spare time what's that <laughs> um so so yeah writers as a creative writer not as a professional you know at person the only thing to do is sort of glue yourself to your seat that's a really rubbish answer but that's the only solution if you've got writers. i for me the only solution is just to sit down and do it um and write the words it, it you, writer's block still exists but i open up a uh, i actually use a word processor don't tell anyone so it's WYSIWYG. um but i'll just type i'll just type and I might close my eyes. I can touch type, so I might just type, and uh, and eventually you get in the groove. And then it, the, for me, that that's that gets rid of the writer's block. And it might take an hour, but if I really want to write, that's what I have to do. Um, sometimes I quit. Sometimes like, I'm sick of this. I'm going to watch some TV and have a cup of tea instead, or maybe something stronger. Yeah. Um, so other tips for writer's block involve just having the process. So it's really back to my stage one, getting in the zone. Yeah. If you have a space and the uh, even a ritual that gets you in the zone. Having a comfy chair needs to be facing the right way. You need to physically close your desk or whatever it is that metaphorically or physically, you, you need to stop your work day, maybe move to a different room. Some people do laps of the house to make it feel like they're commuting. Honestly, do those rituals, have the have the certain drink, the certain way you like it, just get in the zone. So yeah. that's an answer. Um, I, mean, I could throw in there just from a mental well-being perspective. I know that um, sometimes writer's block can come about because we are worried about the P's and Q's. Right? Oh, yeah. There's, there's an expectation. If I get this wrong, what will people think? Or if I write down the wrong things, I'm going to get judged because I, I get marked. Right. So, so there's a number of things we might might be really quite worried about. And, and certainly with a lot of the clients I work with, I'm, I'm kind of saying, actually, you know what? You could just take a step back. Um, I, I do a lot of meditation with some of my clients where it's actually, it's just a relaxation exercise, right? Just get comfortable, allow yourself to, to kind of just chill a bit. Um, all we talk about is inducing some kind of relax, um, um, a sense of relaxation, a deeper sense of relaxation. So we're trying to put to one side the concerns of judgment, getting the wrong mark or whatever, whatever it is that's, that's winding us up um, and allow ourselves to just switch off. And that could be, that could be a tactile thing. Maybe we, we're picking up something, you know, my desk has got loads of stuff on it. I fiddle with like magnets and, and pebbles and, and, and stuff. Um, there's even a guitar Blue next to my desk. Blue tack. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, right <laughs> sometimes I pick my guitar up and I'm just strumming it because a lot of it's automatic anyway for me. Um, and, and, and just by, doing something that's stepping away for a few minutes, sometimes I can come at it from a different angle. And I think yeah. it, it's being able to put your mind into that space where you can perhaps move on a tuppence mm. and, and say, okay, yes, those are things I need to worry about, but let's put that to one side at the moment. That's at the end of the process. Let's just put down what, what's in the brain so far. Um, okay, so we're getting close towards, we've got five minutes left. So just a quick look at the other two questions. So Melissa's asked, um, any real practical tips on getting started with speech to text, especially for younger learners moving from primary to secondary? In primary, we are finding that my child is often still required to write by hand, meaning that really 
getting confident with technology would need to be completed at home. Yeah. Understandably, there's a reluctance to do this as tired at the end of the end of the school day. Thanks. Um, okay. Yeah. And said, by the yeah. way, we've done a touch typing course and recently bought Dragon. Um, okay. Okay. That, it's good to know that you got Dragon. I was I was going to say Dragon's great, but it's you know there's a there's a cost to it. Um, I, I have Dragon installed here, and um, I, I use it more to demonstrate it more than to use it but um the if you are if you're intending to get the speech to text used in the school setting it's probably worth chatting with the senko or someone in the school just to understand what's available there because there's value in doing it at home but if you can't transfer that into the classroom that value is seriously limited isn't it so just make sure that they might already have something in place but they might not have dragon but um, they, perhaps they use Chromebooks or um, they've got iPads or Android devices and there's um, inbuilt um, dictation features on those now. Yeah. So depending on what's uh, available to your child um, at, at school or, you know, other children, whatever's available to them, that should try, you try to replicate that at home. That's the best practice. Um, just common. So it becomes a familiar thing. Office 365 has got dictation in it as well, which I've, I've yeah. there have been times when I've used it actually, because it's, I mean, I don't use it a lot, but there have been times when I've kind of just given it a go. It's a quick and dirty way of, get, of, of getting dictation out, if, if you like, yeah. um, which can be useful. So um, yeah, there's a lot that could be used that's probably already installed within the school. Um, and there's a, there's discussions to be had between parent and teachers to, to, be, to help the child to be allowed to use it. Let me just um, look through some of the some of the questions and some of the other. There's one other question. So, um, Jane has asked, please, would you talk about Claro software? I'd like to hear more from you, Stuart. Um, I'm assuming you're talking about the text to speech, and we've just kind of talked about that. Um, Jane, perhaps I can hook you up with Stuart to go go into that in more detail, just because we're running out of time. Would that be okay? It's fine um, with me if it is with Jane. Um... But yeah, we, we we don't just do writing helper. We're very famous, popular for our um, text to speech, where you've got the text on a screen and it reads it to you, as opposed to speech to text, where you 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 dictate and words appear. Um, but we've got all sorts of things like mind mapping and research tools, study skills tools, and uh, a few other things for younger learners as well, like phonetics support and syllables and spelling and all sorts. So yeah, chat with me. I'd love to talk to you. Wonderful, thank you. I'm just going to go through some of the comments. Um, so Jackie said, good sessions, especially the structured advice. Very helpful for FE, HE students, thanks. Um, thanks. It, uh, Lisa said, it's good to have a structure that I will talk through with my daughter, who's 13. She has slow processing and speed, visual stress and dyspraxia, lots of dyslexia um support elements do seem to help her mm. touch typing is our next challenge and um, very interested to do anything that reduces anxiety um so that's um a, a, a really nice insight um i appreciate probably quite a stressful experience but a, a nice insight for the rest of us um simon says my 11 year old hates being given a number of words and would and would like it to be judged on content yeah. So again, there's yeah. sometimes we're judged on the P's and Q's rather than judged on what the learning is or, or the demonstration learning. Um, Gillian said school and system writing essays at, at, at the stage of trying to encourage a reluctant teenager to take support. Always very low self-esteem. Um, 
um, EJB, who got it right earlier, by the way, um, when we were talking about them. WYSIWYG, most interesting. Thank you. I saw the email and my dyslexic daughter is 10, so it's not really into writing essays yet. However, my oldest daughter, older daughter is 13, possibly autistic. And as with the mum above her slow processing speed and dyspraxia, she's also 13. Um, my old, older daughter is no longer in school because of the lack of support and frankly, mistreatment was so awful. Um, and then there's, there's, there's a few other comments coming there, which are um, sort of numerous to be um, sort of mentioning at this stage. So just, um, just to finish off, if I may, I just want to thank you, Stuart, for your time this evening and sharing your, your thoughts. Um, certainly, if you don't want to sign up on that list that, that um, you can see here and you want me to connect you directly with Stuart, then just ping me an email um, and, I'll, and I'll happily forward you on. I can't just give him your contact details because of GDPR. Um, but if you want to send me a, an email and just give me your permission to do so, then, then I can hook you up with Stuart. These are my contact details. Um, and, and again, I'm on Twitter. There's my email address. So anything you want to say about this, if you want to say something about this um, webinar on Twitter, I'd, I'd love to see the feedback going out there. Um, that, that helps me do my work better um, because more people know what we're doing and, and so forth. Um, there's that link I told you about earlier if you want to sort of find out more about my, my stuff. But do get in touch if you want to email me direct. You've all got my email address um, if you want to get directly in touch with Stuart. Otherwise, go to that link that um, Stuart shared earlier. So I'll, I'm going to close this session now. Thank you again, Stuart. It's been good working with you this evening and, and yes, listening to what your, your thoughts were. Um, what was the best thing about... And did anything come up for you as you were talking through these points? I'm, I'm just, I'm really keen to understand more about certainly the younger learners that we've just seen in the chat there. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the, this idea that you're worthless, uh, it's just, it's, and I know that as parents, you're all just talking, focusing on the strengths and the, you know, the whole superpower aspect of, of, of neurodiversity and that that's, in, in fact, if your child was 13 in five years' time, it would be a lot easier then, but we are where we are now, and it's getting better all the time. You've just got to keep fighting it, you know. Um, yeah. Your child's as special as any other. In fact, maybe more so. Thank you. We'll keep chipping away. Um, finally, thank you to every one of you for joining us this evening. We appreciate it's your evening, and uh, maybe yeah, with the, with the temperatures we're experiencing in the UK at the moment, maybe a glass of wine in the garden was perhaps more pleasurable than sitting on a webinar. So, um, but thank you for joining us. Um, thank you for your comments and questions. Um, would you like me to do more webinars like this? Was this useful to you? Put your hands up if you'd like to see more webinars like these. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so there's, there's about 22, 23 of you who have indicated out of the sort of 30. Oh, Stuart's just done that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, okay, I'll, I'll um, get some more together. So thank you for that. Um, so I'm going to close this down. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Stuart. And um, we'll see you on the next webinar. Thank you, John. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye for now. <laughs>